This show is brought to you by Club W. Don't ever come home to a wine-free house again. Just go to clubw.com slash joey to get 50% off of your first order. That's right. Club W is offering our listeners right now 50% off of your first order when you go to clubw.com slash joey. Show is also brought to you by MeUndies. Go to MeUndies.com slash Joey right now and check out all their men's and women's underwear and clothing and go to MeUndies.com slash Joey to get 20% off of your first order. That's MeUndies.com slash Joey to get 20% off of your first order and shipping is always free in the U.S. and Canada. And go to Onnit.com and use code word church to get 10% off all their good optimization products like Alpha Brain and New Mood. Bam! What the fuck is going on? Monday morning, March 7, 2016. And you're still sitting there like a fucking mook waiting for somebody to hit you on the fucking head. It's March already. What the That's fuck crazy. are you waiting on? Oh I know, God. it's March already. March fucking 7th. And people are still sitting. I talked to a friend of mine the other day. Well, they haven't called from that job. Go, that was fucking January. That was fucking six weeks ago, right, January. Yeah. It's, it's, it's mind-boggling. I'm sorry to some people. A lot of people are pissed off about the musically. I was telling you the other day, right? Mm -hmm. We have to change this around. Did you come up with a solution so these people know? So here's the thing: if we change it, we have to go back to UStream, and that's when we get the commercials and all you motherfuckers get pissed. But they'll let us play music to open up and to close the podcast. Once it goes on YouTube, we have to cut it. We have to cut it. And here's the other thing: eventually, I was talking to Jamie yesterday because. There's every podcast is going through this right now because eventually someone's going to raise their hand. They have to with music. So we could go back to Ustream, but then there's commercials every few minutes. And even if there aren't commercials, we we need to find a way to maybe in, incorporate either some royalty-free music or have someone have other bands give us the permission to use their music because otherwise we're going to get hit there's no like eventually this is going to make enough money for somebody to uh, to to notice like the, like the we all, all we ever talk about when musicians come on is how the record labels are hurting for money and this is a perfect avenue for them to find it so on, on, on it's it is it's a great part of the show but it's uh we don't we want to keep doing the show you know it scares the shit out of me cuz you don't know when they're going right. to pop up and go hey you used this song of ours in 1984 or whatever the fuck, and now we're getting sued or whatever. I don't know how it works. But it was such a part, like, I don't know. It, it described the podcast, where it was going. Like Absolutely. Sometimes yeah. what music, like, I'd be driving around all fucking day, and all of a sudden I'd go home, and I'd walk into the house. I'm not going to lie to nobody. And I'd hear a song on a, on, a, on a movie, and I'd go, that's the fucking song for tonight's podcast. You just know it. I hated forcing music. I wanted the whole day or the whole night to think about music. That's how important the music was to me because it just gives that fucking vibe. Monday morning, I wanted that they, them to get that motherfucker Tuesday morning to be animalistic type. You know, something just, you know, the song that, I got three or four songs that drive me crazy. Really? Every time you hear them? Achilles Last Stand. Okay. Anything Aerosmith sometimes? Like, it just pumps me up in the morning. Like, Sabbath, bloody Sabbath, twice gets me going. And you never get sick of it? Never. 40 fucking years. Still haven't gotten sick of it. Can you believe that? 40 fucking years listening to that fucking music. Some of that shit even longer. 
you know, once I got hooked on music, seven or eight, and you start learning lyrics, and I went through the different types of music, Spanish music growing up, then I went to rock and roll music. Did that ever fuck you up? Like, like, do you ever get high and think, I've been listening to this song for four decades? Like, that's crazy. <clears throat> you know me, dog. I hold on to shit like herpes. So, <laughs> if the song works, <clears throat> like, for me, half that music kept me alive. Like, I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. I, I wish, I wish I was lying to you. So, like, do you mean, like, if that song didn't exist, you would have committed suicide? Like, what, like, what do you mean when you say that? You know, from the ages of 15, 14 to whatever, I was as confused as every other kid. Now I had no dad, drugs, uh, men's amort home life. There was a lot of love, but it was a men's amort. It wasn't like your home life. Yeah, I had a nice neighborhood. And people watched over you in the neighborhood, right. but it's not what you had. It's not what you had. Not that I had a bad life at home. It wasn't just, uh, there was no dinners till later on. There was no dinners. You know, we did dinners early on, and it's it just, we disintegrated. We just became an atomic family, and we stopped eating dinners except maybe twice a week. We ate breakfast from time to time, but never dinners. And that's why I'm always home for fucking dinner. That's why when people contact me, I'm like, oh, we have to be there at five. It ain't going to happen. Because if I'm not working, I can't do nothing between it. Because now you understand where that comes from? Got to yeah. be home for dinner because I know what it did to me. Absolutely. When we were eating dinner, the house was grounded. When we stopped eating dinner together, from my ages of like, when I got out of Catholic school, which is 10 or 11, to maybe 15, it was too late. And I saw the difference. I see it now today. That's why I'm home for dinner every night. I eat dinner with them. We're a family at 5 o'clock, no matter what the fuck is going on. If I'm not working, I'm eating dinner. I got no fucking excuse. My, my mom never even let a TV near no. where dinner no, was. No, yeah. no. Mercy Tonight was playing with the fucking iPhone, my wife's iPhone, and she's not eating. She's just sitting there. You know, she's three. But right, they yeah. become four, and they become five, and now it's a fucking habit. So she only is allowed to have those games on the cell phone like for an hour a fucking day. But for some reason, today she took it while she was fucking eating. I was going to say something to my wife, but I can't. I, 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 I can't say nothing to her because, then, you know what I'm saying? I have to just be there more at that situation. Maybe my wife left her cell phone down and she saw it. You know, sometimes my wife has to walk around with it in her pocket all day. Jesus. We both do, which is good. You know, I, it makes you check around more than leaving the fucking phone down. So... Uh, you know, she's just a three-year-old kid. She's a fucking phone. She's already seeing what people are doing on it. She's better on that phone than I am. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure she she'll finds, be able to teach you stuff. She goes to YouTube. <laughs> she can go to YouTube? She goes to YouTube. She knows what button to press, and she does something, and then she starts scrolling through fucking four little monsters jumping on the bed. One fell off and bumped this. She'll, she'll watch those all day long, all creatures, different types of lyrics. Jesus it's Christ. It's the same fucking song. You know, but, but listen, if the phone's not on, she'll go on the fucking computer herself. Okay. She calls oh. it Poo Pooter or some shit. She'll Jesus. come in there and make me set it up for her. And then after about 10 minutes, first she's sitting on my lap and she's huggy-feely. Then she gets up and she's really excited. Then she gets to a point where she realizes she don't need me and she goes, Daddy, up. And she'll, make, she'll sit in my chair and tell me to fucking sit on the bed. And what did she just show you videos? Yeah, she'll giggle by herself like a moron. 
like some fucking wackadoo and watches those fucking YouTube videos of songs and kids. They're instructional videos. It's not like she's watching porn. I mean, it's about colors and, you know, dragons and dinosaurs and songs and, you know, uh, what's the people on the fucking bus go round and round, round, all that shit, only with horror people. You know, sometimes she watches it with normal people and the baby. Sometimes she watches it with ghouls and ghosts. What was that one that we were watching? And it was like she was yelling, "Bingo!" Yeah, and there's there's like dead animals with like brains coming out of their heads. She's singing "Bingo" and shit. You know, I don't get involved. If YouTube got it and says kids, what am I gonna do? I don't see nobody fucking up the ass or nothing, so I'm all right. You know what I'm saying? I watch all that shit with her as much as I could watch it because you have to watch. Right, you got to yeah. see what they're watching. I ask her questions. You know, you got to ask her stupid fucking questions so she knows. I try to talk to her a lot more than my wife in a different tone, you know. I try to talk to her like somebody would talk to her on the street. You know, not curse words or nothing. I just try to talk to her not like a dad. Not like a fucking dad. Why do you make that choice? Because I wanted to be conversational. How my mom would talk to me. My mom was very conversational with you. As a child, you, that's how you could tell if you're very conversational. You know, say hello, Lee. Lee shy. Fuck Lee being shy. Look at this motherfucker before I backhand you. Yeah, I was never allowed to be shy. Yeah, no, you can't be shy. Look at him. Shake his hand. Tell her how nice a dress looks. And my mom would always engage me in conversation. You know, I didn't remember that shit five years ago. I remember it now while I have a child. How much she engaged me. She always engaged me. And she always talked to me in Spanish. And she'd mix it up. You know, and she'd talk to me, and that's big. You got to talk to them and not talk down to them. Talk to them so they get confidence. I'm not looking to talk down to her. I'm looking to talk to her at her level, ask her stupid fucking questions. So she answers me, and I play fucking stupid like she's Joe Genius. You know what I'm saying? That's red. No shit. I didn't know that. Whatever. You know, you just talk to them. That's the most important thing about having a child is talking to them. Keeping them fucking engaged, letting them know you know what's going on. And they, you know, it's just weird. Like, I just think about what the mistakes they made with me. Dinner, and that once they get older, you got to be there at three. You got to be there to welcome them at three o'clock. Don't give them that two hour window. That two hour window is when I did everything. I got my dick sucked. I dry humped. I made formulas. I drank cocktails. I lifted weights. I did everything in that two-hour time period. They would try to come home to catch me. My mom would try to come home like a fourth. They were always late, though. So I always had the time to clean up my mess. Even I would just take the doors off the closet and put them on three chairs and use it as a bench press. Like, I would do shit like that when I was a kid. I was that type of retard. That's. It's kind of weird how you spent your entire adolescence trying to do to do that stuff like dry hump and drink or whatever you're doing and now you're planning on ways to fuck up the, the your kid doing that and it's it's just crazy how like you learn like you, you give your parents a little bit more slack probably you talk you think back about your life and you think about the gaps you had right you think about the things you did and where you did them and how you did them i was talking to a friend of mine once maybe 15 years ago this guy guys is one of the coolest motherfuckers you ever met if I'm 50-something now, he's got to be 60. He was a lot older than me, and I'm lying to you guys. Maybe 20 years ago. And he, his daughter had just graduated college. Okay. And he moved her one day. He helped her move. Something happened. He helped her fucking move. And there were, no, there were books. 
and I guess there were paperwork, like paperwork like this, like a piece, you know, like pieces of paper, right? Folded, and when he opened them, it was letters from her girlfriend talking about when they took on three guys, and you know. So he he called me and he goes, I need to talk to you real quick. And he goes, You see my daughter? I lived in Boulder at the time. I didn't know where he was coming from with this. Now I used to go to this restaurant constantly. It was my home base. I borrowed money there. I lent money there. I knew the baker real well. I knew them. I had a tab there. They were just beautiful people. I just became friends with the owner on Facebook. And uh, I used to talk to her there. You know, I saw her there for two, every day for two or three years. Every day I'd go in and she'd say, hi, Uncle Joey. And i go, what's up? Where's your dad? She'd go, what do you think he is working? And I go, how you doing? How are your grades? She played basketball. We went to a couple games. She got in a school play. We went to a couple fucking plays. You know, I knew this fucking kid. So when he came to me, he had tears in his eyes. And he's like, do you think she's this type of person? And I go, from what I've seen, dog, I think in the two years I've known, I've never seen her with a cocktail in her hand or nothing. This chick was doing blow and, you know, they were doing men. They were young kids, you know. How, and you're sitting there as a parent going, when does she have time to do this? Well, my friend, what are your hours? I, I leave the house at 9. I don't get home till 7 o'clock at night. I go, when you get home at 7, where was she? In her fucking room. Would you talk to her? She told me she don't want me to bother her. So you leave in her room by herself. Do you tuck her in? Do you go in there and talk to her? Do you check on her in the middle of the night? There ain't a night that I don't check up on Mercy. There ain't a night I don't open up that door when I come home and look at my wife. My wife don't even know it. I'm 300 pounds. I walk in the house. I got wooden floors. I walk through there. I open up the door. I tuck her in. I put the blanket on Mercy. I do that because of those things. So you didn't tuck her in at 2 o'clock. You didn't know she snuck out in the middle of the fucking night. So what are you saying? But do you think that doing all of those things would actually make a difference because here's the thing they might they might not do it as young but you like you, let's you could still do coke or do it later you could no, do it at no, night no. okay let's i'm talking about up to fucking 16 okay up to 16 i i did coke maybe uh, one time before she, she died but i'm talking about from the time i was 11 to maybe 15 okay they'd get home at 5 i had 2 hours it only took me 15 minutes to walk home from 3 o'clock. I could be home by 3.15, take my sweater off, drop my notebooks off, make a fucking iced tea, make a ham and cheese sandwich, and I'd be out the fucking door. Okay. It started when I was 11, walking down to the train station. They didn't know. They didn't know. They thought I was playing fucking football, basketball. I don't blame them. I told them I was going to the park. They trusted me. What did I do? Me, Michael Special, Dominic, John Bender. You know, 30 fucking kids, Mike Olson, we'd walk down to the trains. And they taught me how to fucking rob those trains. You could rob a fucking train and be home for dinner at 5 o'clock and nobody would know nothing. Okay, so let's pretend that. Let's just start there. Where were you? We were down by the tracks playing baseball. You think they're going to go down to the fucking tracks? We almost didn't make it to the tracks. It was a, it was a, a mile walk into the fucking bushes of Secaucus, New Jersey, and that swamp fuckingville. And we'd walk back with punks, those things that you light, and they take the mosquitoes to go away. Oh, right, right, And we'd right, knock right. on door to door and sell them for a dollar a piece. That's the little hustlers I hung out with. And then we started getting motorcycles. 
And my mom would say, where do you ride that motorcycle? And I'd say, up in the woods, Schutzen Park. There's a thing up there, and you could drive your motorcycle behind it. And every once in a while, like, the guy was named was Butcher. And he'd come out with a knife and a dog, and he'd chase your German. It was a German, a bunch of Nazis, Schutzen Park. They still have parties up there and stuff like that. But there was a thing behind there called the soccer field. Yeah, when I first got the motorcycle, it was great to ride your motorcycle in circles around the soccer field like a fucking Momo. It was great. But one day, your friend's like, hey, dog, don't you ride down by the tracks? No, I didn't even know about that. Do you know what? I would fucking, if you came to me right, listen, you're my brother. I love you, Lee. I care about you. You know, you got a mom, you got a dad. They're going to call me someday and say, what? I don't even want to hear that. So when you came to me and talked to me about a bicycle, how red did my face get? When John Budd showed up to kettlebell class the other day, <laughs> I was fucking, I had to call him and apologize because I really got on him. Like, I love you guys. I'm not worried about you, Leah. You're intelligent. I know you could ride a bike. When I walk Mercy and my wife to school in the morning, you know how many accidents I almost see? A thousand. Do you have any fucking idea? That's why I had to Uber here last time because I'm, it's I'm scary. carried a motorcycle. It's yeah. a hunger. It's scary. So when I went off, I knew that there about a bicycle. I'm like, you want to get in shape. Jesus Christ, a bicycle is great. Not around here. Nope. You want to put it on your VW and drive to the mountains and ride the paths like a normal human being and run over snakes and get a suntan and still put on a helmet and still be concerned and responsible, but you don't have, you know, you don't have 60% of people in cars smoking pot. Another 10% of texting. Yeah, I think Another it's higher 10%. Texting. Okay, I'm just giving you yeah. dumb. And we've reviewed these numbers. These are like Joe Diaz stupidity numbers. They got to be higher. So if 75% of people are stoned and half of them are texting, you really want to be on a bicycle? It would worry me that no end. Okay, yeah. point of my story is that I used to take a motorcycle and ride across Tunnelly Avenue, which even 30 years ago was death. Even 40 years ago was death. It was trucks and cars. And then we rode down Patterson Plank Road, which is like a bunch of lumps. Your motorcycle would shake from hitting the train tracks and the broken concrete. Like, you, it would be horrible. And you're riding with and against traffic at this point. Then we'd stay on there till we hit Route 3. This is If we saw a cop, we were dead. Now, this is all illegal with dirt bikes with no plates on them, with helmets. And then we'd shoot into that fucking swamp. Stolen dirt bikes, by the way. Well, uh, no, some of them were paid for. We'd shoot into that fucking swamp and ride another mile or two. And sometimes we'd ride all the way to River Road by where Chance Dragon Inn is. From my house in the back roads, you came out there and there was a motorcycle stand by Richfield Park and a Dairy Queen. We'd get a Dairy Queen, a container of pork fried rice, and we'd get back on that fucking motorcycle and ride back to our houses at 13, 12 years old. If my mother ever knew that she would take that motorcycle and shove it up my fucking ass two times. You understand me, Lee? Can you imagine that you like risked your life for pork fried rice? And, at, like, that age, at that age, we didn't know. We were just riding bicycles. We weren't sons of anarchy. We were just riding bicycles, Lee. We were fucking kids. But I sit back now and I go, a thousand things could have happened. Before I left the house in my in Jersey City, two kids in North Bergen, a runaway car hit two kids yesterday. And last Monday, uh, a mother and her daughter got iced in West New York, and I hit and run. You know, you got to be careful when you're walking. I tell people all the time, you got to pay attention to everything. I pay attention to everything. I walk those women to school for two reasons. A, I get in shape. I walk them after breakfast. And B, 
I walk, but we walk strategically. We cross the street. We walk on oncoming traffic. I stay on the outside. I'll take the car hit for my wife and my daughter. So I stay on the outside. We walk in front of the fire station, and we walk all the way down. We make the right at the school. My, did your mom do that? My mom did that from the time I was born. You, the, the men always have to walk on the edge of the sidewalk. Like every time, she still does it. If we're ever walking and I'm not doing that, she'll move. She'll like physically move me and put me there. I'm like, okay. It, it makes a difference. Those two hours, I learned how to do so many evil things in those two hours. And not evil, you know. Okay, after the motorcycle concussion, then I was old enough to get a girlfriend. And we started dry humping, listening to music. I didn't get my dick sucked. I'm not going to lie to nobody. We were dry humping up there. I think after a year, she showed me a tit. No, we were harmless. That was one part of it. And then once that ended, I became a karate guy. So I went home, did homework. Once I got left back and shit, I became a little bit more responsible. But once the eighth grade came, ninth grade, I started smoking pot. Those were the hours where I'd go home, I'd roll my joints, I'd take the seeds out, I'd weigh my pot. See, but here's the thing. Like, how did you get away from your mom finding out when she got home? Because that's why I would never do it. My mom was home most of the time. But she got a job when I got older. There you go. Your mom was home. But your mom, I had a two-hour window, so I knew if I got high at three fifteen, by the time she got home, I had already eaten fucking half a pound of everything. I would put visine in my eyes. I wouldn't smell like weed. But I can't lie to you guys. At that age, I wasn't doing that. I wasn't doing that at all. I was just weighing the pot, getting it ready for that night. You know. On the phone, I was gambling for a while in the eighth grade. You know, again, stupid. Me and Whitey O'Donnell, seventeen fifty, five time parlays. Okay, again. You're saying this like this is nothing. No eighth grader knows what a five time parlay is, and has a bookie who's a high school teacher or whatever. whatever well, at that time, it wasn't a high school teacher. It was one of Whitey's uncles who took our bets or some shit. Like, <laughs> like that's five, any more normal having an like uncle five timers, and but we didn't do nothing over five timers. <laughs> five timers, by the way, is twenty five dollars, twenty seven fifty if you lose, thirty dollars if you lose. So we would bet two times on the Knicks. $10, me and Whitey would bet $5 each. You know, in 1977, $10 was a lot of fucking money. For yeah. $6, I got an album. For fourteen ninety five, I got Lobster Fra Diablo with shrimp and lobster tails and a glass of wine. Like, oh, it's got old. You know, all that shit. It's gross. <laughs> so, do you know, it's it was different, but we paid $5. We used to bet $5. Where did you even get money at eighth grade? My mom. My mom had the bar. I would shoot over there and fill up some buckets. You of were ice. using your allowance to bet? And sure, get. sure. And if I got in a hole, I'd make up a story and tell I needed I had 10 a teenage bucks. mutant ninja teen, teenage mutant ninja turtles piggy bank until like probably right around that time. And you were fucking. Are you serious? My stepdad. After they got arrested, well. For years, my stepdad put away money, and he hid, he hid it under the bureau. He used to hid this fucking Gitas under the bureau. And one day, I, ha I happened to catch him throw it under there, like, oh, that's my dough, right? So I would hit it for like 10s, 20s from time to time, and then he would get pissed off. He knew it was This me. is a dude who would hide guns around the neighborhood just in case, and you're stealing $10 for no reason? Why not? What was he going to say to me? What was he gonna give me my fucking thousand dollars back? Uh -huh. What are you doing? 
I used to torment his life. He had this change jar filled with silver dollars and quarters. One day he's like, he started yelling. He's like, oh, there's nothing but pennies in there. I fucking mugged everything. I took every sting of silver out of that thing. It was like a thousand bucks. It was a big Chivas bottle, like a big one. And where were you, like, were you using it to buy candy? Or what were you doing with it? Just going out at night, getting Carvel milkshakes and going to movies and shit. I don't fucking know, Lee. I wasn't drinking. I wasn't. It wasn't like I was doing that type of stuff. Not at all. I was just... Carvel milkshakes, just like a big shot, like Carvel milkshakes. A dollar fifty. Come on, let me buy your milkshake. Oh my god! No, that 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 was it. You got an allowance, but I made money if I went to the bar, and if I stayed at the bar at night, I made even more money because the bookies would come in, and they would get drunk and they go, "Hey, come here. How you been doing in school? Good here. Here's twenty dollars. Go buy yourself a shirt on me or something." And my mom would say, don't give them money no more, but they would still give me money. That's awesome. Like, I'm surprised you didn't go to the bar every night for at least an hour. No, I would go on Fridays and Saturdays. Oh, so you didn't wear them out? No, I would never wear them out. And I'd play congas, and they put little dollars in the hat and shit. I used to rock, dog. You got to rock. When you want to rock, you got to roll. You got to roll as a kid. You got to wash cars. But I, I still think about those two hours, Lee. And I still think about... I dread those two hours. Like I always say, with mercy, I'm going to pay for all the sins I did. You usually do with your children. So I think about how how you could get involved. You can't creep on your kids, but you could just get involved. You get involved. Let me tell you something, and I'm going to look at you in the face and tell you this with all honesty. I didn't want them involved. Your parents? I didn't want my mom involved. No, you, no kids do. I no didn't. Kids. It was embarrassing. She always spoke Spanish and yelled in Spanish. You know, I just didn't want her involved. She would blow a, a little thing out of fucking proportion. So I just felt it was best. So in my world, but it's not my world. It's their world. So if my daughter comes to me and says, Dad, I don't want you to do this. It really doesn't matter what you want me to do and what you don't want me to do. When you're fucking 18 and you could pay the bills in this house, then you tell me what the fuck to do. Right now, you're in the, my goddamn roof. That doesn't mean I'm Fidel Castro. But that means I still have to be involved. I still got to drive you. I still got to pick you up. A lot of weird shit happens out there. And in my head, do you know the shit that plays out in my fucking head, Lee? You have no fucking idea. You have no like, fucking like idea. Like bad scenarios? Or what do you mean? Always. 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 You got to figure I got abandonment issues. My mom died. And the old man died when I was three. Something's not right in there. I worry about all my friends. I worry about... When I go to shows, you know, like right now, Bob Lalingus, his dad's having surgery and shit, you know, and it's in the back of my mind because he's a friend of the shows. He's a friend of the fucking shows. You know, there's nights I, I, I come up in Laurel Canyon and I drive by your place purposely. I don't even know where you live. I know the building. But if I see somebody creeping or I see a fire, I know, you know what I'm saying? I always drive by us. I drive by Felicia's. I know she's a single mom with two boys. There's no lights on that block. I always drive by Felicia Michaels' house. In fact, I stopped over there the other day. Really? Yeah. I, I, a friend of mine called me and I had my wife's car. And I was coming back from Perennial from the weed store. And I was on her block. And I couldn't talk. It wasn't hands-free. So I had my wife's car. So I pulled over to talk to my friend in Jersey. 
And I realized I was talking to him for 20 minutes. Number one, number two, I was two houses down from Felicia. So I didn't want her to think I was pre- keep peeping on her. Oh, okay. So I knocked on the door. I went in, talked to her. She came out. We smoked a half a bowl. I gave her a hug, and I left. It was great to see her. That's awesome. It was great to talk to her. It was great to talk to her about comedy. She's really smart when it comes to comedy. And she's very uh, a good writer. And I got to be honest with you, I miss her at times. I, I, I like women around me. I miss her at times. It was really good seeing her. I saw her at the store like three weeks ago, and we chit-chatted for an hour or two. I saw her at the coffee shop one morning getting coffee, and she sat with me for a while. So it's nice to see her, man. She's a great lady. <clears throat> She's not traveling as much because of the boys. Her boys are at that age. <clears throat> and again, you know, she had a problem with the boys for a while. One of them was smoking, blah, blah, blah. And she said it. She goes, I had to be home a little more. And I said to her, remember we had this discussion three or four years ago. It's like a cop. Wasn't uh, when my dad was here. Didn't we talk about police? Like just patrolling? Visibility. Right, yeah. In the neighborhood. You know, if I don't know the cop, I'm not going to have a relationship with him. No. But if I know it's Officer Syed, let's say your dad was a cop. And every day when I drove by, one day he pulled over and he talked to me and, he, and I'd see him every day. No, he's Officer Syed. And pretty much have a relationship with Officer Syed. And that goes two ways. If there's a problem in the neighborhood, something might see, I could call Detective Syed and say, Detective, I saw something in my neighborhood. He'll come over, we'll talk. And he'll go, thank you for calling me, man. Thank you for having me, you know. Somebody gives me a problem. Somebody parks in front of my house for fucking six weeks. I can call Detective Syed and say, Detective Syed, you follow me? We don't have that no more. But it's the same thing as parents. Just the visibility. <clears throat> Just knowing they're there. Let's pretend your father works from, doesn't work from three to five. And I go, do you bring the gun over? That gives you time to go to your house, get the, your dad's gun and bring it over and show it to me. If your dad was home or your mom was home, you wouldn't sneak the gun out. Little things, Lee, trust me. Little things. You had your mom at home at 3 o'clock, right? Yeah, for the majority of my life, yeah. Toward, like middle school, high school, she had to go back to work. But by then, but here, that's why I was saying, like, I had, maybe it's because when I was younger, I had her there. But I, I didn't do any, like, I never snuck out, really. Like, I never did any of that. <coughs> but me, I, it's, uh. Is it tough? Because to, you don't want to be the strict parent that nobody likes. Because you, you obviously want Mercy to like you. You know, man. A couple of years ago, you and I had a conversation. I know for a fact you didn't like the conversation. It made you a better person. It made you a better worker. And you became more aware of that conversation. I wasn't lying to you. It's tough to talk to anybody. Whether it's a child, it's your child, a friend, it's very tough to look somebody in the eye at any level and go, this is what you need to do, dude. And I would never say it to nobody unless I knew, unless I was there. I've been there, you know. What do you think? I don't want the most for the least. Are you fucking crazy? I'm just like you. If I didn't have to, if I could send a dummy of me to a town, so sit on stage and like a programmer from the house to do material and jokes and shake hands, I would fucking get on a plane. And a dummy would cost me like 40% of my take. I'd think about it. Because <laughs> I want to I wanna sit at home. Nobody wants to fucking work. No, I Nobody wouldn't. wants to do anything. But the same thing with children. 
you know, when you walk into the living room and there's the fucking, their shoes and their dish in the living room, you're going to keep picking it up? No, you got to say something to them. If they get offended, you go listen the next time. You're not going to go outside and play. They do it again. Now you got to stick to your fucking word. And eventually they'll pick that fucking plate up every day. Talking to nobody, talking to anybody is tough. This is what I just said to you with my wife. There's things I can say to my wife. There's things I got to bite my tongue. And she's got to find out for herself. The way I found out for myself. I found out, I finally understood what you meant about Subway today. What happened? Because I went there just, and here's here's what I figured out. Because you, you don't ever tell anybody, sometimes you do, but not really. You don't ever tell anybody exactly why you want them to do something. And you've said it before. Like, you came from a place where if they told you to do something, you're just not supposed to do it. And you're not supposed to ask questions. The issue with Subway is, yeah, everyone goes and, yeah, sometimes the sandwiches are okay. But it's about taking, like, the extra time and to get something so much better. I just went to Subway and it was just, it like, the line was long. And then they put, I, I asked for a little bit, like, one tiny line of mayo. And she puts, like, a huge squirt over everything. <coughs> and puts, like, eight pounds of that brown lettuce. And I was just, like, and it was, like, ten bucks. And I was just, like, well... Yeah, everyone can, you can go to Subway, and it's not the worst thing you can eat, but it's, take the extra 10 minutes, make sure you go to Ralph's, and have, like, a much better sandwich, and put the effort in, and then it it rolls over into, like, the rest of your life. (coughs) Like, that's what I'm, that's what I've been noticing recently, is that when you put a little bit more in, right, not right away, even though it feels like like a shitty thing to do even though it's it's not the easiest thing it pays off a lot later and it's hard to see that early on everything you do you're punching in i make it easier for everybody you're always punching in people you're always punching in okay this man once once this got broken down to me it changed my life everything you do is because you're punching in and the check is gonna come it's not gonna come today but it's going to come. Every day you punch in, and you punch in to give it 150%. If you walk down the street and you see a piece of paper, you pick it up. Whether you dropped it or not, pick it up. Pick that fucking piece of paper up. You put you punch yourself in. You know, uh, when I did that fucking uh, lawyer th- thievery shit where you do the fake falls and mm-hmm. you go to a doctor, the guy looked at me and he goes, listen, Every time you go to a doctor, every time you're punching it, there's a payday. He goes, it's costing you $4 today to park. But in a year, when I'm giving you a check for $50,000, you are punching it. I didn't break that down to crime. I broke that down to life. You're always punching it, man. And it's so weird. It took me to 45 to find out. I wish somebody would have broke it down for me at 32. And I'm still not perfect. I'm just saying, like, I've been working on it recently. Nobody's perfect. That's why those little fucking things, those little things twisted around. The good mornings to people, the fucking... I used to wake up in a bad mood. What does it get you? You ever get those people? I don't talk to nobody till 11. Go fuck your mother. <laughs> don't talk yeah, to don't nobody. Don't talk to me You're before my coffee. Fucking whatever. beautiful. Yeah. You're missing beauty. What are you talking about? When I got locked up, people like they say you're too friendly in the morning. What, what do you want me to do? Sad Gus? You want me to be like a mafia leader? 
like thoughtful and what the fuck is wrong with people? Every, people ask me a lot why I pick up the phone when you call me at six in the morning. Like I could just let it go to voicemail. How good of a time do we fun. have? It's fun. We like we giggle. How good of a time do we every have? day? Like we just because I'm on fire <laughs> at six in the morning. I haven't talked to nobody in eight hours. <laughs> Maybe the cat for a little while. I'm on fire. You right. know, and we're goofing on Jews and how you got to act. And if you're gonna be a Jew, you got to be at attention. Your shoes got to be shined. We just go back and forth and giggle, and that's it. You're up. You just woke up fucking laughing. Yeah. Oh, my God. I just woke up fucking laughing. How good is my day going to fucking be? And you're eating breakfast and you're giggling about the conversation you had about the Auschwitz coins. You know, we were fucking howling the other morning about Auschwitz coins. And we say the dumbest shit. What we need to do is tape the 6 a.m. phone call and sell it every it, week yeah. for a dollar because that's the only thing I will charge people for is that 6 a.m. phone call because the pearls that come out of us, they're brilliant. And we forget them. We forget it. We Sometimes you go, Jesus Christ, you said that thing about Jews this morning. We forget what the fuck we talk about. That's prime time when somebody calls you. I think that's where you came up with Auschwitz foot. Yeah, where the fuck do people call you? Who calls you at 6 in the morning throwing heat at you? Nobody. Whether I call Ralph, I called, some kid came to my Vegas show that I shot a movie with, and I got the numbers fucked up, and I called them up, and they said, man, what's up? And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm waking up. He's like, no, 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 I heard you wake up early. I fucking started howling. He's a young kid from Australia. He was the boxer in Raging Bull 2. Oh, okay. So he lives, he lives here now, but he came to the show Friday night. So he kept calling me, I fucking passed out. The show was great, by the way, at the MGM with Joe. Yeah. It looked it looked like a fun place. A lot of people. I'm three hundred pounds for a fucking reason. You know, I'm not three hundred pounds because I fucking eat good all the time and I ate great all those years, Lee. You know, when I was a broke comic, I had to eat what the fuck I had to eat. I, I told you I ate a thousand veggie and cheese sandwiches. But I went back ten years later and I saw how bad it was. In 95, Subway was fucking good. The lettuce was good. Then something happened. They did something with the bread. Okay, I'm done. I used to eat it on the road all the time. I'm not here to line nobody. I used to eat Burger King, those chicken things from Burger King. Shit. Those long chicken sandwiches? The fucking chicken sandwiches? I used to eat those Wendy's. In 1982, I would eat one of those fucking a day, those chicken-colored sandwiches. So don't, don't, I'm not here to fucking point my finger at anybody. I'll still throw down a chicken sandwich from Wendy's if I have to. Uh, I had a quarter pounder the other day with the baby, fucking delicious. You know, if I go there, I got to take them there at least once a month. I got to take her there. My wife gets happy. The baby's happy. You know, so what do I sit there like a deaf mute? I did go there one Friday with him. I didn't eat meat. And I just sat there because I won't fucking break one of those fish sandwiches. No, you can't eat a fish fillet. Oh, no, I won't eat those fish fillets. But, sub, listen, the Palmer, right up the corner here. Palmer, whatever. Okay. Did I ever take you there? No. I never took you up here on Lancashire Boulevard over by Victory. A block up, there's fucking this, there, Armenian. But it used to be an old Italian deli. No, you've taken me to the one on Magnolia with uh, George the German, Herman the German. Okay, no, 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 not that okay, one. this is a different one. Okay. This is up on Lancashire Boulevard. It's in a horrible pl- part of town. And you go in there, and they got a fucking brisket, a Jew. They got fucking great Italian sandwiches. No Me way. and Terry used to eat up there twice a week when we moved to Hollywood, to North Hollywood. 
twice a week for the first fucking year. Ask her. Ask her. They got sausage sandwiches. They, and the guy will tell you, don't eat it. Don't eat it today. It's not good. Don't get this. Don't get that. No, no, don't get that. Don't make you specialty sandwiches. They got nice bread. They got a nice macaroni salad. They give you two sides. Do they got a, potato salad? They got potato salad, okay, macaroni okay. salad. They give you two sides, a sandwich, and a fucking soda. Fucking six ninety five. This is why I say to you, why do you go to Subway? Yeah. Oh, shit. There's my brother right there. What's up? How's it going? Good. On the radio, on the phone is my brother, George, from MMA Junkie, one of the hosts of the many that they have with Goes and the other big white dude, the cool <laughs> motherfucker. What's going on, George? How are you, my friend? Man, I'm doing all right. Thanks. George, Thanks let me for, ask you. Uh, me. Let me ask you a question. When, how you doing? When you and your, how many children in your family? Just me and my brother. Okay. Anybody ever get on the bad side? You and your brother. I mean, when when you guys were kids, any of you, uh, you two, anybody made a couple mistakes or anything? Have him, have him or I made mistakes? Yeah. Did so you get arrested for DUI? Did you rob a bicycle? Did you break a fucking window when you were 17? Did you, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, I guess of the two of us, I probably was the more mischievous. But I uh, I don't have a record, and neither does my brother. Luckily, we, uh, I don't know. Um, like, well, he's, he, he was never really a bad kid, so he never had to sweat it. I did a few things here and there, but I just... I guess I was—I had some street savvy to me, you know. It's about as bad as it got, man. Oh, we were talking about parenting. How with me, it was—I always felt that that gap between three and five, when my parents weren't home, was when I always got into trouble. You know, I always went lurking where I wasn't supposed to be at the house, shit like that. So I just Lee and I were just talking about parenting. That's it. And if your parents were home, all yeah, day, you know, I'll tell you what, my dad set the tone pretty early. And uh, I would say my mom did more, like, the parenting as far as, like, staying on top of us for our chores and school. But, you know, uh, if at any time we were out of line, she'd call my dad and, and uh, a couple spankings from him, man. He had big forearms, big hands. So he set the tone very early in our ages to, uh, to not mess around, you know. And uh, it worked. I got to tell you, it really did. So... I guess um, when we did do something, it, we really, really thought it out, you know, because of the the word I, I wasn't even scared about the cops, honestly, or like or the principal or whoever I was going to deal with, whatever authority figure was in my life, I was not worried about them. I was worried about my dad and catching an ass open. So uh, yeah, I, I would say, had he not set the tone, who knows? Maybe I would have got sloppy, or maybe I wouldn't have cared, or or what. But I, I really do have him to thank for that. I'm happy that everything worked out for you, Cox. I'm still scared of my parents. My parents are 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 not super young anymore, but I'm still scared of them. And I, it's it's a it's a crazy thing. You're still respectful of them. I yeah, a little bit scared of those too. To yeah, yeah, my parents good. Started young. I would probably revert back a little bit. Let's talk about the yeah, UFC Saturday. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, George. No, I was just gonna say. I think. I'm more scared to let them down. I, I'm beyond. Absolutely. You know, uh, if, if anything, it's just. I want to respect them, and I do talk back, I guess, from time to time, just because I think they st they want to treat me like I'm I'm still six years old, and I'm 46 years old, so I got to check them from time to time. But 
you know, I, I have my limits. I don't really cuss at them or anything like that and, and disrespect them. And I guess I'm just more scared of letting them down. Now you have to respect your parents, man. That, that's, I hung out with very few people. There was one guy I grew up with that I had to spend a few months with, and I saw how he treated his parents. And I'll tell you what, he was a good guy, but I never really had communication much with him after that. And he called me about a year ago to tell me that his dad had died. And by his oh, wow. dad dying, he got to realize what I was going through at that age. And he wanted to apologize. And he apologized about him fucking karate chopping his dad in front of me and shit. And <laughs> when we were 18, he karate chopped his dad with his cane. It was horrible. Wow. George, he took the cane from him and just hit him with it. I almost died. I shit in my pants. I just fucking threw him against the wall. I was like, I, I didn't even know what to do. And he's uh -huh. like, no, we do this all the time. He goes, two years ago, my father punched me in the fucking mouth. You know, they, they were animals. But I was never raised around that you hitting your dad. That You went right to fucking hell in my world. Picking mm -hmm. up a stick and hitting your fucking dad. That's crazy white people shit. You know what I'm saying? And the fact, he lived, in, he lived in Sarasota, Florida at the time. That's when I was hiding out for robbing the jewelry. And here I am in a house where the guy hits his fucking dad, punches him. They would fist fight. Fuck you. Wow. I was like, I, I can't live in this shit. That's I, just was never, I just never even had heard of that. Like, And the day he picked up the... And his dad wasn't old. He had like a walking stick. You know, old guys, they had right. those walking sticks. The dad would walk. And him and the dad got into an argument in the fucking doorway. And he took the fucking walking stick and just hit his dad with it, dog. I was sitting right there. I, I, my heart stopped. I was like, this is crazy Florida shit. I had some neighbors across the street who, uh, <laughs> it, was a, it was a single mom, a boy, and a girl. And they would cuss at each other. And, you know, Orange County is a little bit south of L.A. It's just a little bit more conservative and... I remember all the kids came out of the houses and we were all just like in disbelief because none of us could really do that to our mothers or fathers. And this kid, you know, they were only there for a couple of years. They were in, they were out, but man, they used to have some wicked arguments. Um, another thing I want to add too, you don't mind. I know you guys want to get to Saturday stuff because yesterday, uh, yeah, yesterday stuff because yesterday was pretty nutty, man, in the sport of MMA. But let me, let me say this. Uh, one thing I thought about not too long ago was I had an argument with my dad once. It was like in 97 or 98. And it wasn't even that big of a deal. In fact, I barely almost remember why it was. But regardless, we got in an argument. We didn't talk for a year. And you, you wouldn't believe how stupid I feel when I think about that. You know, like, I really thought I took a stance. And I guess he was a stubborn old man who was looking for the apology. And in the end, the only ones who really hurt were my mom because, you know not coming over for Thanksgiving and Christmas. And then I, I guess that's when it hit me like, okay, I, I, I can't continue to do this. I'll at least come over, but, but not talk to him. And then finally I realized, well, he's not going to say anything. He's old school, you know, it's going to have to be me. So, and to top it all off, um, he was the one at fault, but I, I thought about that. I thought about that quite a few times in my life and it's not worth it, man. Whatever it is, hash it out. And, uh, if you got to take a bullet, you know, and, Make sure there's always peace and harmony amongst your family, amongst your close friends, because at any time, it can all go away. We've seen it. You know, we've seen it. We've seen it recently with some friends of ours in MMA, and every time you open Yahoo or CNN or something, you know, somebody else is passing along. So 
Uh, that would be my words of wisdom for uh, the younger generation. Well, drop it on me. What happened the other night? Excuse me? What happened last night, cocksucker? What happened? What happened? Talk to me. Last night. All right. So let's start with Nisha Tate and Holly Holm. You know, uh, Holly, uh, she's, you know, she's coming off that big win over Ronda Rousey. She wants to fight right away. She takes on Nisha Tate. But I'll tell you what, the same way we wondered if Ronda could hang with a decorated striker, I think a lot of us wondered if Holly could hang with a decorated wrestler. And so that's what allowed us to believe that Misha had a shot. But in reality, um, I think most of us, most of us were thinking, well, if, if Ronda can't do it, no one else can, regardless of who's got what strength or what skill set or anything like that. So there was some money to be made on Misha if you wanted to take a gamble. But, you know, basically, Misha had her work cut out. She'd have to take some punches, you know, close the range, get her down, work some jujitsu and, and, you know, the, the fight starts on the feet. You know, every, every five minutes they cut it off and you got to start all over. Uh, it, it's, not, it's not as easy as people think, and especially with Holly, because Holly moves around really, really good. She knows how to use her footwork, but she almost stopped her in the second round. But other than that, man, you know, Holly was having a field day. Two minutes to go, Holly slips up. Boom, Misha gets her down, works the jiu-jitsu, and like a ninth inning, ninth inning rally, she actually becomes the world champion. It was pretty legit, man. I think it... It refreshes things up a little bit in that in that uh, division for the women. Amanda Nunez got a win. I'm sure at some point Ronda will be back. Captain Donald will be back. So it's a lot more fun now than it was three months ago when Ronda was whooping everyone down. I mean, that was cool and all. Great pay-per-views for Zufa and, and lots of money for Ronda. But, you know, for fans, it was like, come on. You know, I think we wanted to maybe freshen things up a little bit. Now that division's got a little bit more balance and parity. And then... It, it, you know, just when I thought, well, that was going to be hard to top, fucking 209, Nick Diaz and, and uh, Conor McGregor put one on for the ages. I really thought the Irishman was going to pull it off. As soon as he got in Nick's, Nick's face and in his face, and that's usually, excuse me, Nate's uh, face, and that's usually what Nate does, I thought, oh, shit, within about 30 seconds, I thought, this is over. Conor's going to get him because Conor's too fast, and he's hitting him really hard, and Nate just doesn't seem like he's in the ball game. And that damn that damn kid, man, he's tough as nails. He weathered the storm. And in the second round, he actually got taken down by Connor, which was a huge mistake. But Connor, by that point, he, he was a little foggy. He had gotten lit up. So, you know, that was uh, that was it, man. It was a wrap. Two submissions then the night, and it actually saved the pay per view because I thought the two, uh, I thought the, the three fights before that, you know, the three fights to open up the pay per view were just boring, man. Boring decisions. So I honestly was saying this is going to be like a C minus type paper view, but with those two fights, it turned into an A. You didn't, a great night. You didn't like the Amanda Nunez fight? I thought that was I, like it wasn't the most exciting, but it seemed like a really like complete fight. I was really entertained watching that fight. Well, here's the thing, Lee. Valentina is fifty-seven and one in Muay Thai, and she's a decorated world champion. She's got three wins over the UFC strawweight champion Joanna Jendracek. So. I'm thinking Valentina's probably, you know, of the mindset, as long as this fight don't go to the ground, I'm going to light Amanda Nunez up. And she never did that. She was really tentative. You know, Amanda Nunez was the one that was, if anything, she was the one that was more aggressive on the feet. She won the exchanges on the feet. So I'm thinking, Valentina, what are you here for then? You know, you're taking up a spot here. Fight. When she does have her moments, you can tell she's pretty legit. She's got some skills, but I guess she got caught up, man. I don't know if she got caught up in the strategy or Amanda's size, because she's on her side. Um, at, at that division, that was a great fight. Was, but I, 
That was a great fight. I thought it was a good fight, too. But yeah, I, I there understand. was action. I understand what George is saying. If if that's what she does. Right. I didn't get that it. either. Yeah. Like, but it's, uh, I thought the whole card was really great. I, uh, you know what it was? It was, it was like Anderson Silva all over again. Anderson Silva did not want to go to the ground with Michael Bisping. He wants to strike. Okay, what they do for 25 minutes, they were on their feet. And Anderson Silva was tentative for three and a half minutes of every single round. Well, that's kind of what Valentina did on a smaller level. It was only, it was only three rounds instead of five, and it wasn't a main event. But still, she didn't utilize her skills. I think the fight, how about this, guys? This, the fight could have been way better is what I'm trying to say. Right, right, right. right. I see what you're saying. No, no, no. I'm not now. disagreeing with you at no level. I thought it could have been – I thought that she shied up to also. I thought that the, the Shambalovich, yeah. whatever her fucking name is. I'm sorry. I'm just not good with names. The chick who fought Nunez, I thought she was like holding back. She's like a kickboxer, exactly. right? Yeah, but she was – yeah, she was holding back. But then did you see like – I think it was like the second round where she just fought off the, the uh, submission – weren't they like on the ones yes, yeah, 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 yeah. and she just didn't tap it was crazy like it was that's crazy to watch especially with women and like you would think like they might tap sooner but they're, they're tougher than anybody no man they're tough they're in there fucking fighting oh my I, god now who won the top the Lawler fight the other guy Anderson Anderson now Anderson won it he won it a lot of people thought Lawler pulled two rounds out yeah I thought it was the judges had it 30-27 I thought it was a weird fight, fight. went to a decision what's that I thought it was a weird fight on like Yahoo Sports. It said that Corey Feldman is waiting uh, for either Daniel or Cormier. And I'm like, uh, I think you better wait for a long fucking time. Not what I saw last night. I mean, it was a good fight with Lawler. Lawler's fucking huge. Lawler's huge. Yeah, he, 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 uh, but he's undersized at 205, but yet 185. Because it is 20 pounds. That jumps 20. The rest of them are 10 and 15. But that's a big jump. And he says at 85, the cut just kills him. But at 205, he's meeting up against, really? He's going up against heavyweights because Corey Anderson's cutting from like 225, 230 and rehydrating to the same amount. You know, Lawler's weighing in like at 203, 204, dripping wet. So he literally is giving up a ton of size. And he almost pulled it off because, you know, he, he can throw hands. and He's hard to take down because he's a wrestler. But in the end, you know, n- nobody made a statement. Man, Nunez kind of made a statement, and luckily she called out Misha Tate at the press conference, but everybody else just kind of went through the motions, they cashed the check, and that was it. You know, I think you got to do better than that, man. It's a pay-per-view. It's a Connor pay-per-view. There's another title fight there. Make a statement. Do something for your career. Why do you think they're giving Misha Tate Ronda Rousey right away? I mean, it would make, when I heard that, uh, when I when I saw that Misha won, I figured that Rousey would fight home. And then the winner of that would get Misha Tate. <clears throat> because Zufa wants Ronda Rousey. Okay. The best way to put it is Zufa makes a lot of money when Ronda Rousey's fighting, and they make even more money when she's, she's the world champion. So they're not going to make her, after having six or seven title defenses, have to run the gamut or jump into a tournament or anything like that. But they he- wanted a fast tracker and give her the Holly Holm rematch, and honestly, she deserved it because of how dominant she was. But um, she needed to recover. You know, she got her ass whooped. She got movies in the making. Now I heard some of those projects may have fallen through. So who knows? Her timeline may have been pushed up a bit. Well, here's but a, well we, before you called I, in. I, I we, think we, they just want her fighting for a title fight. Make some money. Sorry, but, go ahead, Lee. Before you called in, we were talking about, like, putting in the work for certain things. And it seems like 
There's a lot of there's a lot of memes going around like that Dana White's upset that uh, Sage, Connor, and, and Rousey lost, and it seems like if the UFC put more time into like actually having the fights that people wanted and building good fighters, then it wouldn't be as much of a hit when these people lose. Like the fact that McGregor lost fucked a lot of shit up for them, and if they had had really good fighters, it wouldn't matter who won. Like it's when it's a good fight, like who is the I forget, it was like a heavyweight. It was like Big Nog versus somebody else last year that was just a brawl. And it's just whoever loses. Like, it doesn't matter who wins or loses. It's just a great fight. And it seems like when these big superstars lose, it like deflate. Like they're just thrown away. So if they had better fighters, it would be better. I don't know. Yeah, they, they de- definitely need to uh, create more, more stars. And I think that's why you'll notice Dana's not doing many scrums. He's kind of walking away from the press conferences. Now, some will say, well, there's a first-class action lawsuit, so they've tried to minimize his, his role a little bit for the next couple of years. Others are saying he's just set up. Others are saying he's taking away the spotlight and trying to put the spotlight on his, on his athletes. Who knows, man? Somewhere in there, there is the truth. But you're right, Lee. There's not enough new stars being created. Now, some of that is Zufa's fault, probably 50%. The other half is the athlete's fault. And the athlete's and their representation, because if the athletes don't get it, then someone who represents them better get it. Otherwise, you're not qualified as a, for the job. Because if you have a good athlete who's winning, then you should be able to uh, help them, you know, create themselves. I'll give you an example. People will say, well, some some of them don't know English, like Jose Aldo. Well, you know what? Claudia Gadelia learned English. She's Brazilian. Khabib Nurmagomedov, he learned English. You know, he's uh, he's Russian. Joanna Jindrasek, she learned it. She's Polish. She's Polish, so... It can be done, and if not, then get creative on get creative on social media. So I, I I still put some of the blame on the athletes themselves. I think that some of them feel like just because they cash the paycheck, they're now a professional athlete, and because of professional athletes, the world needs to beckon at them. No, man, the work just started. You got to put the work in. And that's what I admire about Conor McGregor. He fills the shit out of the fights, and yeah, he might cross the line, but it doesn't matter. He's cashing big big checks. He's putting his life on the line, but in the end, at least he's getting paid. Well, I want the other guys to start doing it. It looks like Nate Diaz kind of figured it out. This may have been a torturous two-week two run, having to put up with the Irishman and all his antics, but in the end, I think he discovered something. You know, like, holy shit, I am, I'm really good, and people really want to see me fight. So you know what? I'm going to do it, but now Zeus is going to pay me more, and everybody's going to be happy. So it, it's on both of them, man, promotion and fighters. What a real fairy tale, just unfolding in front of our eyes. I'm going to be honest with both of you and everybody who listens to this show. Two weeks ago, I didn't give a fuck about this card. Didn't give a flying fuck about it. I liked one person to win, Holly Holm. Yeah, I, I didn't give a fuck too. about this card. Did I want her to win, George? No, but I didn't put any thought into the card. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I had so many things on my plate. I didn't really put thought into the card. I didn't know what to expect about Dos Anjos and fucking McGregor after I saw uh, uh, the other guy walking, Aldo, walk into fucking Jesus, into Nazareth. You know, he walked right into Jerusalem. I saw him walking in going, oh, my God. I just seen this motherfucker walk into the den of lions here. So I didn't know what, if they were going to poison fucking Dos Anjos. I, didn't, I still haven't seen a picture of Dos Anjos on crutches. That could just be somebody's foot that's broken and they kidnapped Dos Anjos. 
a fucking week ago to milk this fucking project. Who the fuck knows what's going on? But I had no interest in this. All of a sudden, I see a foot on fucking Yahoo, and they're looking for an opponent. I thought it was definitely going to be Cowboy or, I don't know, they were going to bring... Who's the Australian they always hire when he goes to Australia? You know, every time they go, uh, that one white dude. What, Ross Pearson or something? I, I forget what his name is. Oh, no, he's British, sorry. Whatever. Well, I don't know. There's an Australian uh, guy there. Yeah, Cowboy's I, the one that made sense. So I he, thought it was Cowboy, yeah, right? He's off the camp, and, and he, 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 can't, he likes those turnarounds. Yeah, he and I go. Shape. He likes those turnarounds. <clears throat> now, in my mind, I go, Cowboy would be good, but I go, he'd be perfect. Because that Cowboy is a, Cowboy has an underrated ground game. That he's so yeah. good on his feet that he doesn't really go to it unless you know he's got you all fucked up on, on fuck up street. So when all of a sudden I hit Diaz, now the odds I I wake up two days later and the odds are out of their mind and I'm looking at this going, are you fucking crazy? This is crazy, that this kid they're giving him so much well twelve day notice. Well you know what I know this kid's always in shape. He's always doing that fucking gee shit. They said he was training for a triathlete. And now he was training for a triathlete. So the whole way in my mind, I go, you know what? Just like Aldo and fucking RJ, this guy's going to be Jesus Jr. They're going to fucking walk him down there to fucking get killed. But then something sparked me. I watched the countdown, and they said he had 21 UFC fights. And, And I said, you know what? That counts for something. That counts for something. And I remember a couple jujitsu submissions that he had. And I remember his legs and being lanky and maybe having the reach. Then I saw the press conference and he wouldn't pay attention. He kept telling them to fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. And they got into a fuck you match. And I'd still at that point, I'm like, this is uh, a scam. And all of a sudden, I get into the MGM Grand and I check into my room and I turn the TV on. And it's a fucking replay of the the uh, the weigh-in. I see Misha Tate. That's where it starts. Misha Tate and Holly Holmes. And then I watch McGregor and whatever. Now, now I see Diaz doing to McGregor that stance, what yeah. he did to Aldo. And he left his hand out, but before that he flinched. Do you remember that? Or after he hit his head, he flinched? I remember he flinched. McGregor flinched? uh, Connor, like, you know, he uh, got taken aback a little. And right there I go, ooh, while Rogan's on stage, I'm going to take my fucking little ticket that I won from the under, and I'm going to bet it all on Diaz. Why not? I got nothing to lose. Just like him. And that's exactly what I told you Friday afternoon. I go, he's got nothing to lose. That's a scary person if you have nothing to lose. He had and you're nothing. right. 21 fights is something, man. 21 really fights. Is that means he's gone through a lot of uh, attrition. You know, he's been through some tough spots, and he had he had to uh, he had to dig deep because no. early on, you know, Connor had a good beat on him, and Connor was you know he was really really uh, opening him up. He had a gash. He was starting to get bloodied and. Um, but man, the, the Diaz brothers—they have a lot of heart. They don't you can't just break them that easily. That's where that experience kicks in. I mean, you guys remember—he he went up to 170 a couple times. And it didn't go too well. Roy McDonald, you always crack the jokes, Joey, that Roy McDonald threw him up in the air so much that the poor kid needed parachutes, you know, for all those rough landings. And uh, it's true, you know. And and that was Nate Diaz 
as a as a lightweight going up to welterweight. It was too much. Conor McGregor was going from lightweight, uh, and he was going up the weight class, and, and you know they, they had to come to an agreement to just do it at one seventy. I'll still call it a fifty five pound matchup, but but still, man, there's something to those ten pounds, those ten fifteen pounds. There's something to it. But it was crazy. Like just speaking of the weigh ins, like do you see those pictures of McGregor? at the Aldo weigh-in versus the pictures of him at this weigh-in, it really makes it seem like the weight cutting is, is, is scary. Like, he looks like a skeleton. It's it's crazy to look at. And he was 168. I thought he was 158. When I heard 168, no. I said, that's yeah. not bad. He's in the fucking ballpark. I mean, and the other kid was 169, so whatever, they had a couple milkshakes, whatever the fuck happened Friday night, I was. that's what made me bet Diaz, though was the flinch at the weigh-in. And it's funny because I did the same stupid shit. I took 150 and I bet whatever, and I took the other $30 and I bet the over. And then I went up to my room, thought about it, and came back down and bet another fucking three on fucking what's-his-name in the middle of the night. Because I'm a fucking Damn, savage. that's nice. That's almost like two Gs all together. Dog, I'm telling you, it was like stealing. And I sat there... And I didn't say nothing. I told my wife when I got back, and she didn't say a word to me. And I sat there with her, and I watched something that was beautiful. I watched something. I watched McGregor come out of his corner and come out swinging like a fucking savage. I loved it. But then my wife was chit-chatting. She kept saying, look at him. Diaz is doing the same shit he always does. And all of a sudden, it just hit me like a light bulb. George, the fight slowed down. And all of a sudden, he played into Diaz. He was yeah. getting sucked into Diaz. And even though he was getting Diaz's timing, he was getting sucked into that stupidity, that that reaching. He was reaching, and he was popping it. And I'm watching this. And all of a sudden, something happened that nobody else caught. At the end of the first round, he took him down. For like a minute, he took him down. And he got back up, and I go to my wife. I go, that just changed everything. Because when he goes in there, that's the first thing Shields is going to tell him. To take him the fuck down and start working his magic. So all of a sudden, the second round comes, and he's punching him in the fucking eye, and blood's going everywhere. And this is getting great. I mean, I'm sitting there. I'm about to vomit, but I'm loving it. I'm loving it because he's not going down. You know what I'm saying? He's not going fucking down, and neither am I. I see blood usually, and I fainted. Now I, 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 now I gambled, and I'm fucking my adrenaline's up and shit. I have my wife eight inches away from me. I don't want her even close to me. And all of a sudden, he clocks him with that fucking shot. And yeah. Rogan says, and I got no glasses. I can't see none of that. But that's when I get off, and I get on my hands and knees, and I'm looking at him. And he starts popping them, popping them, and all of a sudden, it was like a $100 bill falling out of the sky. You ever hear that story of St. Francis of Assisi? They had him in a court, and they were about to fucking give him the death sentence. And all of a sudden, a note came through the hole, and it was a note from God saying he was innocent. It was just like that. When he went for Diaz's legs, I said to myself, this guy just shot himself in the fucking head. Yeah, really. Right there. As soon as I saw him go down, I said, it's over for him. He just went into the Lions then. He just shot himself. He just made a big mistake. He's not recovering from this. And Nate's so fucking see, long, yeah, he can get anything. Comes in because, and that's what I told you, uh, the uh, black belt jiu-jitsu. He should have known better than to go down to, to, to the ground. 
Well, I told you Friday on the phone. I said he's a black belt in jiu-jitsu. And not just a regular black belt, but he's good, quick, sneaky. And what did he do? He punched him in the head. He lifted his head, and he stuck his arm in there. And he, like Rogan said, he sliced through him like butter, like it was fucking nothing. And that's what I was trying to explain to people on Twitter today, that, listen, I'm a fat old 53-year-old fuck. I've been going to jiu-jitsu for two and a half years, and I'm still terrible. But I watch it. I love it. I watch it, and I study it. And I got to tell you something. I'm, I'm right there at that fucking moment, whether I'm Dos Anjos, whether it's Kalabib, whether it's Frankie Edgar, or whether it's Aldo, I know exactly what my strategy is against this guy. Well, he's going to have to get better at jiu-jitsu. It, but it ain't going to be in three months. Well, it's not gonna, And here's the funny thing. That in all the movement and all the, 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 the videos they show, the UFC shows of him, they show him doing this movement training. They don't show him with a wrestling guy, wrestling, which he has. They don't show him with a top-secret jiu-jitsu guy where he does Candlestein meetings with in England or wherever he lives, Ireland. They don't show none of that. You know, they were comparing him to Ali the other day. You know, this is what I, what I get angered about, that the public doesn't see this. You know, that they compare him to Ali. Why? Ali went through a struggle for 20 fucking years. Do you people even know any of your fucking history? Well, I mean, Conor McGregor, is, he, he's a good fighter. He's been fighting he's for a while. He's a great fucking fighter. Right. He's a tremendous fighter. But I think that something got in front of his eyes that shouldn't be in front the of his eyes. Was like how he, he, and I could see that. To, look, like I told you, when you saw Ronda getting up, George, you didn't see a defeated person. You saw a person sitting there thinking to themselves the things they didn't do. It's like when I bombed on that special, when I bombed during the week. When I'm driving up Laurel Canyon, I'm thinking about the shit I didn't do. You know, Connor's always doing media. You know, he writes those little things about people. That shit takes a long fucking time. How do I know? Because I got to get up two hours a day. So when he was attacking Dos Anjos, now, now, I'm a fat old fuck. Back to my point. As soon as I saw how easy Nick Diaz, Nate, whatever his fucking name is, went through him in the ground, what do you think Dos Anjos, Calabib, Tony Ferguson, Aldo, and Frank Yeager? Because they're the, the, it's got to be one of those five next, unless Gabe Rudick is making a comeback. <laughs> unless Gabe Rudick is making a comeback. Well, if you notice, at the press conference, he did say, all right, I, the experiment's over. I took a risk. It didn't work out. So I'm going to go to 45. No, he was tremendous about it. He took it like a fucking humble... Listen, man, he was professional as a motherfucker. He was... People just don't see what I was saying. Oh, yeah, no, he was He's a straight-up gangster. I got nothing against Conor McGregor at all. I just don't like how the people are reacting like when I was saying that the UFC played a trick. See, if you watch... Anybody who's watching the fight all over again, watch it closely at the end. When they're both standing next to Dean, what's it, what's the black dude's name, the referee? Herb Dean. Herb, Herb Dean. When they're both standing next to Herb Dean, the camera's on him. Look at Dana yelling at Fertitti. Huh. Tonight, everybody, look at the fucking end. And look at Dana yelling like, we should have got Gabe Rudick. I told you. Gabe was available. <laughs> he's, he's up in Encino teaching kickboxing to kids from three to five, you know. Because, listen, who could... 170, and then he, you know what I love about Conor McGregor? He admitted it. He goes, my punches weren't working on a 170. But you don't see that till you're in the fucking fight. 
He didn't right. see that. So he got into the fucking fight. He saw dollar bills. You know, they got the poor kid fighting every four fucking months. Every three fucking months, okay? You know, there was a story uh, a year ago, maybe nine months ago, which you guys covered on MMA Junkie about GSP. How that last time when he told him he wasn't going to fight, how they treated him, they wouldn't let him go out, blah, 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 blah. This guy's got a lot on his plate. And I could see it in his face afterward. He told the fucking truth. He told the truth, you know. My punches weren't working. They're too big. I got to go down to 145. But anybody, I, I didn't, I, I'm no trainer. I'm no fucking Greg Winkle, John, and none of those motherfuckers. But I did see one thing. I did see one thing, George. I did see that I slow up my fucking thing. I take my anger out of it. See, Diaz wasn't angry. Diaz wasn't angry. He didn't. He didn't angry. He called him a cholo. Let's let's face it. Diaz is walking around three days a week with a helmet on from time to time because he don't know what's going on. You know what I'm saying? You could tell. He smokes so much dope. He's in that gym. He's a fucking sweetheart, Diaz. But sometimes you got even as he walked out of the one interview, they asked him questions. He just don't want to be bothered. Him and his brother just don't want to be bothered. They don't know. They don't fucking know. So they put this money in front of this McGregor guy. You know, now they want him to fight again 200. Like I just said, I know nothing about jujitsu, and I know exactly how to fight Conor McGregor next. One minute, yep. stall him, make him go after you, and then, God forbid, you get on top of him. And Aldo's good on the ground. Frankie Edgar's exceptional on the ground. Kyle B wrestles fucking bears that are tied up to alligators that are tied up to a fucking gorilla. You know, I don't have to tell you what Tony Ferguson would do. So anywhere he turns, and Dos Anjos is a tremendous black belt. Yeah, no doubt. He, he, he definitely has to put the 55 experiment on hold for a while. He's got to fill some holes. He's got holes in his game. He's going to go down to 45. And, and now at the press conference, uh, he says more than likely he's going to go after, uh, he's going to give the rematch to Aldo. Now, you know, Aldo was at the top for a long time, and when champions do defend over and over, and they've been dominant, are more likely to to want to back their rematch request. However, Frankie Edgar's won five in a row, man. This guy's due. But I think McGregor feels like of the two, Edgar brings that wrestling to the table and some really good jujitsu. And Aldo, we know he's a black belt. He just doesn't put it to use much. He's just a striker who may want to strike with, with McGregor. So I think McGregor's really going to push for Aldo. And Frankie Edgar's got to, you know, Frankie Edgar's got to uh, really, really push this because otherwise he's going to get overlooked. Uh, they show the picture. It, it, it seemed like they promised it to him after he knocked out Mendez. He's got to really, really push it. Otherwise, they're going to go with Aldo. And, uh, you know, it, it'll just There's be no reason for him to fight Mendez. It's either Aldo or Frankie Edgar. It's either yeah, Aldo sure. or Frankie Edgar. That's the only way yeah. they could go there. It's so, uh, and Holly Holm, again, I don't see Ronda coming back July 4th weekend. I really don't, guys. I don't. Do well, the, longer? if she doesn't, then, uh, you know, well, I, I, either, either way, I think it's her versus Misha next. I don't think Misha has to fight at UFC 100 as long as one of the two. Oh, excuse me, uh, Rousey or McGregor fights the UFC 100. I think Zufo will be extremely happy. But secretly, or not secretly, I think Dana White publicly said it, 
Uh, Nate Diaz became a big name yesterday, man. The way those numbers were trending, supposedly it's going to be a lot of pay-per-view buys. And I know Connor is, is the meat and potatoes out of all that, but you need a dance partner. And now that dance partner beats the big names. So I think Nate Diaz is going to come out of this really, really nice. That's why those rumors of Nate Diaz versus Robbie Lawler, you never know, man. That might be your co-main event to Connor McGregor and Jose Aldo, UFC 100. I think Rafael Dos Anjos is going to have to, He's just going to be put on hold, and you know he missed the boat a little bit, and uh, he's going to have to get the winner of Tony Ferguson and Khabib Nurmagomedov. Now, when are they fighting? They fight on April 16th in Tampa on Big Fox. They're the main event. Damn. And that's one week before Daniel Cormier and John Jones, so April's going to have some really, really nice fights. So it's Khabib, Tony Ferguson next. Correct. Holy shit. And then well, no, even if you want to go before that, uh, you know, if you're just not talking about the big cards, then yes. That's, yeah, that's yeah, that's the next, the next big one. But Frank Mir and Mark Hunt down in Australia, that should be a pretty good one, too, and that's in like two weeks. Okay. And then what else before that? That's it? But then how good? Then we got Demetrius John. Well, I don't know. I don't have the dates off the top of my head, but we have Alistair Overeem versus Andre Arlovsky. We have Henry Cejudo versus... Demetrius Johnson, that's the co-main event underneath yeah. DC versus John Jones. On There's Stephen Thompson versus Rory. There's Luke versus Chris Weidman. There's Saber versus Dominic Cruz. When is Luke from face of fighting Weidman? Luke, uh, Luke Rockhold and Chris Weidman fight on June 4th at the Forum in Los Angeles. Jesus Christ. That's crazy. Yeah, you got to get to that one, Joey. That's in your no, school. fuck no. No, no. I watched it on TV. I ain't going down there. Fuck no. You going? <laughs> yeah, I think I have to because it's part of the job. But uh, I, I don't mind the forum too much. Got a lot of memories there. You know, that's that was Laker country for many years during the Magic era. So I saw a lot of world titles there. And they said they renovated it. So I heard they renovated it. County. I heard they did a really nice job down there. That, that used to be a fucked up neighborhood, though. Fuck it. Yeah. I'm going to see Janet Jackson the down there. So maybe they cleaned it up a little bit. Well, they're going to build the football stadium down there, aren't they? I went to see, uh, yeah. I used to go to Hollywood Park down there, the oh, Friday nights. Yeah. A dollar beer, a dollar admission, a dollar hot dog, and a dollar program. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You'd almost get mugged on the way out to the fucking car. You think I'm kidding you, Lee? I'm not even trying to be cute with you. You would feel like you were going to get mugged. Oh, yeah. That's where Paul used to live. There'd be, I, I, I gambled there hundreds once. of oh. people. Out there, just standing there, you'd be fucking... That's a great place to have a fight to form. Completely different than uh, where the Lakers play. Wherever Staples, the fuck, Center. Staples Center. That's great. I didn't know that. Thank you for enlightening me on that. Yeah, I, apparently, um, because the... I, I guess, let me see. The Kings and the Ducks, they kind of take priority in June in case they're in the playoffs, and apparently both teams are looking like they're going to make it. So it's hard to pin down a date at either Honda Center or Staples... So they had to give the forum some love because they had to come strong and come correct and and start selling some tickets for that. They, they you know they this hashtag unstoppable where they plan three months of events. That's a big deal for them. So they had to get something done. Well, how good does one ninety seven look though? Because then the fight, the third fight is the uh, Barboza versus Pettis. So that's three. I know, man. That's sick. I love that one. That's gonna be a yeah, three great, great fight. fights. 
Uh, yeah, you know, that, that one's a really, is, really good card. It's really, really nice. Back. You know, listen, and the UFC has tried the homegrown stars. Pettis had the limelight for a while. A while. Benson, oh, no, they Henderson definitely have them, and that's what I'm saying. They're Cowboy great. definitely has the limelight. They've done the best they can, and I understand what you guys are saying. Uh, listen, my beef here, let me tell you where my beef goes. And I've told you, George, 10,000 times, and I've told you. All I wanted was for Siva instead of Siva, that should have been Frankie Egg and him in Boston. And it would have been a different show today. And guys, like everybody said online, well, GSP ricocheted from a loss and was world champion for years. That's right. That's right. He would have. And he would have come back and beat Edgar, whatever. Would have been a, that was my whole beef. I don't like how they're treating Edgar. Edgar's been a great company man for years. You know, but I'm sure he saw the the fucking the trilogy with that dude. You know, you have to hit you have to hit Edgar with a fucking sink. I don't want to fight Frankie Edgar either. But I, you know, I feel bad that I felt bad for him. I felt honestly bad for him. Because I could see in his face that he saw where he made the mistakes that under other situations maybe he wouldn't have taken it, but the money was in front of him. You know, that was a lot of money they put in front of fucking McGregor's fucking face. I would fight King Kong for that fucking money. I'd fight, you know, I'd fight Sons of Anarchy with a fucking knife for that type of money. I don't give a fuck. What, you know, so that's my whole beef. I just don't like how they're just pushing him along and they don't give a fuck. You know, he can't lose his next fight. He can't lose. That's a lot of pressure, guys. And that's what what I'm saying. Go ahead, George. Frankie Edgar is going to be our guest tomorrow on, on MMA Junkie Radio. So we're definitely going to see uh, where, he, where he stands with his injury and what kind of conversations he may have had. He was in Vegas. He's been in Vegas for a few days. and Hopefully he's been able to pin these guys down. I mean, it sounds like Connor has to go to 145 now. So uh, if Edgar loses that, 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 re- that fight to Jose Aldo, who knows, man? That guy might go on a killing spree. Well, George, you know I love you. Tell uh, Frank Yeager I love him, and thank you as usual for calling in and uh, enlightening us on the MMA world because I don't know Dick. I just live on hunches <laughs> and shit. I just watch. I swear to God, George, that, like, I had a feeling about Diaz. I was still going to take my winnings from December and put them on Diaz, but once I saw the weigh-in, it was when Rogan was on stage. Myself, Jamie, and Tony Hinchcliffe walked down there and all bet Diaz. And Denny hit the jackpot. The black belt from San Francisco. Uh-huh. I know he hit Diaz like a G-note flat. And then he hit Diaz and Misha Tate for like a $500 parlay. Jesus. And then he hit somebody else who won. Because I talked to him last night. And he goes, no, 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 no. And then I went back and bet. And I go, I went back too. Because you start thinking about it and you love it so much. I sat there with Tony Hinchcliffe. I should have just driven the there. God damn it. But they only had two fights at the MGM Grand, you know, on the board. That's it? That's it. They didn't have the full fucking wow. card. Or maybe they had the top five or something. I don't remember right now. I was kind of stoned. I ate some stars and shit. Anyway, I love you, brother. That's I love your show. Too, from your room or from the arena all the way to the... Uh, the sports book there? All the way to the, I the sports book. I thought book I was going to eat at the... Keep going back. I thought I was going to eat pastrami. No, no, no. I love that little sports book. That's a nice walk in there. Let me tell you yeah. something. I woke up at 7 in the morning to leave. Now, when I left there in the middle of the night, you know, it was a nice audience. Everybody was walking around. It was packed still. It was white people, black people, a lot of Filipinos, you know, some crazy fucking women. When I got up in the morning, 
I didn't have to get picked up till 7.15. It was 7 a.m. I got some coffee and I put a 20 in a Wheel of Fortune. In fucking five minutes, three black hookers must have hit on me. It's all black after three in the morning in the MGM Grand. It is fucking jungle fever in that motherfucker. You see white dudes <laughs> taking black chicks. You've got to see them in there. And I think they go there for the white dude. I don't know. I don't know. I, I could be wrong. Listen, I haven't, you know, I can't do a hook. I'd fucking die right now at this point in my life. That's like a went, good Vegas travel tip. If you want a black hooker. Oh, my night. God. I went to a strip club. I almost had a heart attack. Did I tell you, George? I got anxiety. Her pussy was three inches was from it? my face. Right before, Vegas? No, no, I wouldn't go to a strip club in Vegas. Right over here, right before the holidays. I just wanted to break my little fagginess that I've developed over the years. You know, I'm not like regular guys. Regular guys go to strip clubs and they finger bang chicks and they walk around with stink finger for a week. I don't do none of that shit. Stink <laughs> finger. I don't do none of that shit. I love you, George. Don't All forget, right, MMA junkie it's every day. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. Anytime you need me, holla. You know I love you, brother. I talked to you Friday way before this because I wanted us to do like a little MMA thing for the people. You know, just let them know we're hip. We're not professional like you guys. We're just hip. You know what I'm saying? Guys, what's up, man? Guys, thank you very much for the opportunity. I love you, George. Love you too, buddy. All right, Have we'll a great you. week. Bye, George. All right, see you. Let me give some motherfucking shout-outs. Some shout-outs to Greedy, Greedy Spanos Kid, Joey Rooklyn, my girl, Paranormal, Juan Nazario, Rodrigo Torres. He's going to be at the Ice House, uh, St. Patty's Day. I might drop up there and see my brother. I've always loved Rodrigo. Please get some tickets. Also, prayers for Bob Lalingus' dad, my main man. And I don't know what happened to talking fucking Leia. He didn't answer his phone, cocksucker, but I still love him and shit. What? What the fuck are you looking at me? Oh, no, we, we put a bet in. Oh, I know you guys yeah. put a bet in. So how much did you bet? Uh, we split a $100 bet on uh, on Diaz. I, I, I should have just driven there on... Uh, Friday. You fucked up. You said you fucked up. You got to open up an account. You got to take that two million you got hidden under your mattress there. <laughs> yeah. And do what with it? And open up an account at the MGM. You're a big shot. The fuck? <laughs> can you deposit like $150? You can deposit whatever you got <laughs> hidden on that mattress that ain't making you no know, fucking money. Just a bunch of Jewish spiders laying on it. And a picture of Grandpa. What's that going to do for you? Fuck Grandpa. You know what I'm saying? What are Jewish spiders? I don't fucking know. I'm just talking to you from the heart here. I don't fucking know. Take that gee that she got under the mattress, call the MGM Grand and see what they need for open up an account for Lisa yet. This is one of your dreams. How are you going to accomplish it if you mind fucking yourself? But that's the only time I ever win. I always lose. I'll, I would go broke. Well, no, because you only bet, listen, Lee, you bet on what's really in your fucking heart. You think every time, how many UFCs have I gone and not put a bet in? How many times have I gone to Vegas? Yeah, and but put you're a good in the sports gambler. I'm terrible. At I'm like, who's a sport? We we used to give out picks. We got killed for 18 weeks That's in a row. That's true. We were terrible. The NFL contacted us and said, "Stop giving out picks. <laughs> People are shooting themselves and shit." That's how bad we were. What the fuck are you talking about? I just go on stupid fucking hunches. If I go to the UFC, if I go to ten things with Rogan in Vegas, I'll bet three of them. That's how bad I am. I usually put when I go with you to fucking the South Point. What do we do? We put a fucking 20 in the goddamn machine right. just to make believe. People want to play fucking computer poker with us. Can we play computer poker? What's wrong with you? You're an adult. Go play real <laughs> poker. You're going to sit with three fat fucks and play computer poker like we're, 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 we're fucking Casino Royale, like with James Bond. Get the fuck out of here. 
What's the matter with you, Lee? You holding on to your heart attack? Why? What's the matter with you? You're funny. You're what? Because you're just funny. It's true. It's true. I don't do nothing. People think I want. I go to the. I can't. I put a twenty in that fucking. I also put a twenty in the fucking. Uh, the the two dollar thing, the, not the two dollar, the deuces wild machine at the airport. Yeah, you I went up to like one hundred sixty quarters. I lost it all. Oh fuck! You know me, dog. I'm a fucking gambler. I, you know, half the time I do it for entertainment. I do it because if somebody asks me, "Did you gamble?" I don't want to feel like a loser. Like how many times can you go to Vegas and sit in your room and smoke pot and watch a movie and talk to people about UFC like a half a fact? That's all I ever did. That's all I ever fucking did. I wouldn't go to strip clubs. I wouldn't go to clubs. I'd have breakfast and you know. Go to the gym. Who lives like this? People go to Vegas to get venereal diseases and to knock up a fucking black hooker and sniff some assholes and shit like that. I got to get my life together. I got to hang out with young people or something. Something's going on with me. But then again, I'd love to go out and do all that shit, but I can't. I can't drink. I get fucking agile. I had a, I had a shot on the... I had a, a fucking... I had a... Uh, uh, whatever the fuck on the way there. And Southwest, because I get those business select tickets. You know me. I, I hold on. I got one in my wallet. I try you're to get those to like a pimp of Southwest flights. Like huh? you, you're drinking on all the Southwest flights. I now. get one drink. I get my limit, like an adult dog. I get a little listen. Whiskey never kill nobody. I'm not, no, I'm not saying you're being drunk. But no, I just imagine you're like no, walking no. up and down the aisles. Dog, let me tell you something. I get on a fucking plane. I do an Irish whatever. What's that? Bailey's coffee. No, I do a Bailey's Irish cream oh, okay. on the rocks. I pass out for 30 minutes. <laughs> it cleans up the sleep apnea. You think I'm kidding you, dog? I'm a lightweight. I don't fucking drink. I was telling my friend Jody, I have a fucking do-is with, uh, with club soda, with, a, uh, with ginger ale. That's my favorite. A little do-is with ginger ale. I'm fucked up, guys. Fucked up. That's why I don't eat edibles on the plane no more. I just think a do-is now. I get fucked up. I see the devil. <laughs> for the one do-is and ginger ale? One doers and ginger ale. That's all I need, dog. It's delicious and nutritious. Fuck yeah! I've never been much of a drink on a plane. Like yeah, getting getting high on a plane is not fun either, man. I panicked that one time I did it. That's because you're half a momo. I mean, it's a fun thing if you go prepared. You gotta have the movie. You gotta have the the earphones on. <clears throat> you gotta you gotta breathe. Your nose has to be clear in case you got to breathe out your nose to, to focus. Do you ever just lose it? Do you ever just like start giggling in, in, in like somebody's face? <laughs> like sometimes when I'm high at a restaurant, I'll just lose it. I lose it. On, I lose it on planes. Really? I lost it on planes a couple <laughs> times. I just know how to recover. What I do just you recover do? real quick. If you start having a nervous breakdown, you eat something, you breathe out of your nose, and you look straight. <laughs> you don't close your eyes. You know, you look straight ahead and you breathe out of your nose and. Eventually it goes away. It calms me the fuck down. Does anyone set you off? Like what? if okay, for example, if I'm around my girl if I'm around Paula, I'm more likely to start like giggling if I see her. Like does like your wife or Mercy set you off when you're high? Sometimes. Sometimes I do something I make I like making myself giggle. Friday I got a call for an audition, guys. Let me tell you how I handle an audition. Just so you know, you get the call, you have an audition tomorrow, we'll send you the sides. They email you the thing, you print them on your computer, and then you look at the character, you, they send you a breakdown of the character, they send you what type of movie it is, TV show, whether it's a single shot, which I don't know none of that shit. They send you what the producers are, who they are, which I don't give a fuck. They send you the director, as I always look up the director, 
And I try to look up one of the writers to see if I know this style. Okay? Then after that, I read the fucking thing a couple times. If I make myself giggle from the first read, we're on to something. Now I read it again, but this time I paint the lines with the magic marker, like my lines. You highlight them? I highlight them, just <laughs> my lines. Then I read it again, highlight it, and then I read it again, and I start putting the beats in, where I'm going to take a pause, where I'm going to scratch my ass, where I'm going to look the other way. You'll write that on the script? A little bit, because I make two sets of copies. Then I go smoke dope, and I come back, and that's when I add whatever they want. Whether it's drama, I add the drama touch to it. And whether it's funny, I add the comical touch to it. Do you know, no matter how high I was, I couldn't make this fucking sides funny. And there were sides that, that, that with another comic, and I'm like, this guy's terrible. But how can I be worse than Like, it was just terrible. And you know what? I called the agent in the morning. I said, I can't go on that because I can't make it funny. You understand me? And he understood. That's crazy. But that's, I like to make myself giggle. That's the point of this. I like making myself giggle. If I can't make myself giggle, it's not worth Like, I love fucking talking with you early in the morning because we're both giggling. When I say those stupid jokes, they're fucking giggle funny jokes. Like, we're talking about breaking the bank. Like, we're going to go deep. We're going to get some fucking Auschwitz coins from the, the ones the Jews were hiding in their pockets, you know, shit like that. You know, we fuck and we make ourselves giggle because he's Jewish. I'm cute. We just make ourselves giggle. That's funny shit. But if something's not funny when you're high like that, a TV show, I don't want to go in for it. There's always something I can make funny. I couldn't make this funny. Plus, I was having a conversation with three or four different people, which really makes it hard for me. Like I was talking to a couple of attorneys and a convict. I couldn't do it, Lee. Back to the point, I like giggling. Giggling is my world. Giggling is how I stay sane. What about when you're doing what, like a dramatic role? Do you still try to make it funny? Not at all. Not at all. But I want to connect somewhere in there when it's a dramatic role. As fucking corny as that sounds. You know when I do good in dramatic roles? When somebody's questioning me. If you see me on a cold case or an NYPD blue or something like that, I'm getting fucking questioned. And is it like is it because you can relate to having that happen to yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know the beats, and I know what to look at, and I know where to put the ice swears in. You know what I'm saying? I'm innocent. You know, you, you just know. You have to connect somewhere. As fucking gay as that sounds, especially, you know, coming from an asshole like me, somewhere you have to connect to this. Somewhere. There's got to be somewhere. Somewhere in your life you cross that. Energy, you know what I'm saying? Whether they're accusing something, you know. Is that why actors sometimes will spend time with someone they're portraying? Like just because, like how, like if you're trying to say it, you have to be connected with something. W- will Smith isn't connected with all that stuff. Like the people who do four movies a year, how do they do it? Like that's and like four leading roles a year. That must be tough. You know, somewhere for them, there's got to be something. When you see a movie. And Tom Cruise is really fucking good. Let's take Collateral. That's one of my favorite Tom Cruise movies with Jamie Foxx. That's a great movie. He's great in that. Okay, Tom Cruise. Now, it's, Tom Cruise is five foot four. You could blow him over with your fucking finger, Lee. All right? You could fucking karate kick him with that fucking mm-hmm. Auschwitz foot and break his little side. 
you could break his little Scientology knee. He'll be in that fucking building on Vine for two years on the recovery over there, right? <laughs> Listen to me, Lee. But in that movie, how good was he? How good did he sell it? Oh, my it? God. He was terrifying. Okay. How good did he sell it? Somewhere along the line in that movie, not as a tough guy, he had something to that movie. Because <clears throat> I went to see him in Mission Impossible, and he wasn't dick. I don't even remember what Mission Impossible was about. This one I went to see with my wife two months ago. The last one, yeah, I didn't even see that one. Okay, so I don't even know. But that's how good he was. I don't know what he... But like the first Mission Impossible, he's good. When I went to see him with the movie with Jack Nicholson, he's very good. When he plays the fucking Navy guy, when he goes to Cuba and Jack Nicholson threatens him. Oh, uh, that's way before you time. A few good men. He's connected to that somewhere. Top Gun, fuck that shit. That's fucking dun 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 dun, that type of shit. But I'm talking about movies, you know. And he's the, oh, the movie with the, my favorite movie ever with him and the chick, when he, the one he was married to, the dirty movie where she shows her titties and he, he goes and gets the cape. Uh, the one I talked about on the Rogan podcast. That's one of my favorite movies with him. Mm. Uh, what's the crazy guys in the movie? What's the, it came out in 98 or 2000. Put okay. on Tom Cruise, 98. Let's look it up. And he's got a great fucking director. It took two years to shoot. You know, the wife cheats on him in the movie. He's really fucking good in that. He plays like a doctor or something like that. You know, when you look at those guys in those movies and they play it natural, they connect. You know, for a long time, I thought a role was like when you watch uh, Ray Liotta. What is it? All right. So so it's Eyes Wide Shut. That's it. Okay. Eyes Wide Shut. That's the one with his wife. That movie's a dirty, spooky movie about like an old man society and they go to this house with masks on and these girls are naked and they're eating each other out and he sneaks in. It's a fucking crazy and the one before movie. that one was Jerry Maguire, which is a great movie. That's a great movie. He was very good at that. I like Tom Cruise. People knock Tom Cruise. Uh, something he said before really made a point tonight with me because it's been... Listen, man, if I if I look you in the face and tell you this doesn't bother me, you're fucking crazy, but I don't know where to start, you know. I don't talk to my family. You know how bad that is, Lee? Yes, I do. And I don't know where to start. I, I, I don't know where to start. Let's never mind my daughter. Let's talk about my uncle, my cousin, my sister in Cuba. It's just uh, it's just so hard having a fucking relationship with my sister on the phone. You know, it's too much. The language barrier, her Spanish, I try to write what she says. It's just too much. And it's too much information at one time. It's too much... Uh, uh, I can't say bad memory. It's just too much. You know what I'm saying? So I limited that, you know. And then uh, my uncle, I just don't, uh, we just don't talk now. Fucking, it's got to be 18 months, you know. My cousin, same fucking thing. You know, the, the boy cousins, I never really was tight with them anyway. But it's just amazing what George made sense. I said something to my wife before I went to Vegas Thursday night with we chit-chatting. And she asked me about Lazarus or something. I go, you know, I haven't really thought of him. How fucking sad is that? 
you know, and, and, and it bothered me. Like when I was on a flight to Vegas, I thought about him. Like, how sad is that? That he once told me, he goes, I talk to you more than I do more of my sons. I used to talk to my uncle every night, man. Every night on the drive to the gig or on the way back, we chit chat about fucking something. Nah, nothing, nothing. And I still have the bad feelings from 30 years ago. But at the same way, I don't. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've justified him in my head. Like, he gave me a talking to that I needed. We were talking to earlier. He, he talked to me like I was supposed to get talked to. And I went into and I fell apart at the seams. That's what really happened, to be honest with you. He told, he told me a few things I didn't need to know. But he told me things to spark my fucking, to get me going. And he had every right to say them. And he was right what he said to me. So... But that doesn't make it any less hurtful. Uh, like, like, that, like, that's the thing. Like I said, that action wasn't hurtful. It's the other shit he did to me. How he made me sleep, sleep in an attic. How he told me personal stuff about my family that I didn't need to fucking know. You know, you don't tell this to a fucking uh, disturbed fucking 21-year-old kid that's got nothing going on. I mean, I had nothing going on. You know, whether he knew it or not, whatever he was telling me was going to put my mind into fucking hell. Telling me about drugs and that my DNA and my genes were all about drugs and scamming people that I had no future. It was fucking crazy, Lee. It was just mind-boggling that you go somewhere for comfort and somebody turns on you. I could understand if you had done something to him. So you're going to treat me this way. Let me at least do something to you. And that's why I did the, you know, I took the low bridge. And tried to rob the fucking dude. And, uh, but then I took the high bridge 25 years later and I contacted him. And I had a relationship with him for five fucking years. That was perfect. Couple fucking Yankee games, couple uh, Dodger games. I'm sorry. We went to everywhere in this town for lunch. We went to the steak place. We went to fucking, we, he was at the hospital when Mercy was born. You know, listen, all right, you don't want to talk to me. He was typing my daughter. I still got a ton of pictures of him and fucking Mercy. Mercy liked Lazaro. So, and George was just saying, you got to talk to your family. Life is too fucking short, you know, and I just don't know where to start, you know. The situation with my daughter, what do you want me to do? I've reached out 20 times. I don't know where to fucking start anymore. What do you want me to do? So do I walk around wounded? Do I take one of these fucking helicopters that's flying over our building and take him to drop me off in Colorado and helicopter up to Aspen and go fucking molest her life? Is that what I do, Lee, and go pedophile her life? You know, I don't know where to start. My cousin got mad at a, a statement I made for her to go in the kitchen with us and be family. All That's all I said to her was I said, what? I didn't even know she was there. You would go to somebody's house and you're in the kitchen for an hour and you walk out and somebody's there and you're like, why are you sitting here? Well, I don't like her. Who gives a fuck? It's Christmas. Go in there. That's all I said to her. She doesn't want to talk to me. So do I call her up? Do I apologize, Lee? I mean, what the fuck do I do? And, I mean, I don't know. I, I have a similar situation, but for me, I, I don't want the person in my life anymore. And it just depends on if, if you want them in your life. You, you might have to make the decision and... And uh, just apologize even if you don't think you're, you've done anything wrong. Well, Lee, it's not wanting them in your life. It's just not having that bad air out there. Just because you don't talk to them no more, at least nobody's feelings are hurt. At least you don't have that bad air out there. You know, that's what I'm uh, 
going for more. I'm at an age, you know, where I have to look at this shit from a different angle. You know, when I was 25, I didn't give a fuck if you didn't talk to me. I think I gave a fuck if you didn't talk to me. Now I think about what the issue is. You know, why aren't we talking? Was it something I did? Was it something you did? Was it something we both did? That's These are important things you have to think about when it comes to your friends. If they're really your fucking friends, that's the other thing. If they're just Johnny-come-latelys, you know, who gives a fuck? You know what I'm saying? I feel you. Uh, it's tough. It's uh. You don't know what the fuck I'm saying. You're no, sitting no, there no, in I horror. Do. Look at the shape of you. You're all fucked up. I gave you 200 milligrams and a hit of hash, and you're already fucked up. A hit shit. of hash. One little hit of hash. Like I gave 27 you. hits of hash. One little fucking hit of hash. Do you need the thing? No, I got this one here. Anyway, let me talk to you about some sponsors, and I'll get out of your fucking hair. Don't forget. This weekend, I'm at the San Jose Improv. That's one of my favorite fucking clubs. You know, what happened was I had to cut it. Your agents, they whore you out, guys. And they put you in San Jose, Sacramento, San Francisco, and anything else up there. Next thing you know, you guys are seeing me, and I'm not writing fast enough. And it just embarrasses me. So I'm trying to go to, like, the Bay Area twice a year. So don't think that I'm, you know, trying to be Johnny fucking Macho here. It's just that you can't write fast enough, man. I got a, a podcast. I got the wife. I got, you know, so it's just tough. But anyway, I'll be at the San Jose Improv Thursday, Friday, and Saturday with my man Dean Del Rey. The following week, I'm in Bakersfield. I forget the name of the Tulag or something brewing company. I mean, Bakersfield is no fucking big city. You know, you guys will find that. I'll, I'll drop it. Everything's on. at joeydiaz.net. Everything's on joeydiaz.net. And also, I'm in Brea. The end of March uh, to uh, April Fool's Day and whatever the fuck, the second. So swing on out to Brea. Lee will be down there with me playing the drums as usual. You know, Lee's all fucked up tonight. Vegas was fun. Uh, you know, I like going on the road. I just get fucking tired. Lee, that fucking plane ride killed me. I had to fall asleep for three hours. I went to bed early last night. I don't mind drinking booze. Like, listen, it was weird when they showed me the menu on Southwest. Like, sometimes I go to a, a comedy club, and I go, like, sometimes I go to a ha and they're like, you want a drink? And I look at the shelves. And I look at the shelves, and I take the bottles for granted. It wasn't until they gave me a menu on Southwest that I looked at it, and I go, hmm, doers with motherfucking ginger ale. Those are two of my favorite fucking things that I used to drink in the mid-'80s. Maybe I should have one. And I had one. I knew exactly what it tasted like. I also see they have bourbon on there. The Wild Goose Bourbon, which wasn't bad also when I was growing up. I mean, they have other variations of bourbon that I drank, but that's what they had on there. At least I know about that shit. Sometimes I just look at the wine list just to see what the fuck's going on, and I have no fucking ideas what's going on there. That's why when they contacted me and they sent me all this stuff on Club W, I kind of signed on with them because I didn't know about wine, but they made wine easy to understand you know club w with club w the guessing game is over club w is the world's only personalized wine club and your wines are sent directly directly to your door not only does club w send you the wine they send you the wine that you love drinking you understand me that's because club w has an easy easy six question quiz that figures out your palate so that every bottle you receive is perfectly tailored to your taste. 
Club W is the leading grape-to-glass wine revolution. They work directly with the vineyards. They cut out the middleman, the little Italian guy, which saves you money. Club W even offers you a no-risk guarantee that you'll love when they send you or your money back, okay? If you don't like the bottle of wine they send you, contact them, and they'll send you the Gitas right back. No drama. This is the way to go now. They send you a little questionnaire. You let them know what you like eating, what meals. They even send you a menu of snacks to drink with that wine. It's like stealing. But this is up to you. Do me a favor right now. Club W is offering my listeners, you savages, 50% off your first order when you go to clubw.com slash Joey. That's right. Go to clubw.com slash Joey. They're going to give you 50% off your first order. Wine should be fun, not pretentious. Start learning as you drink at clubw.com slash Joey. You'll even get 50% off your first order. Do me this favor. Go over there. That's right, clubw.com slash Joey. You're going to love what they do. Okay, guys? Because I don't know about wine. But with them, they make it easy. Where's the other one? You didn't give me the other one. What's going on here? The same thing with these bad boys here. This is what I wear. For years, I didn't wear underwear. For years. Do you know that? We started get, I would wear like those cotton ones whenever I went to jiu-jitsu and stuff like that. Then we got the podcast. Whether you're wearing sweats, suits, whatever, you spend 24 hours a day in your underwear. But instead of making a statement like Superman's tights under his everyday clothes, your underwear is probably boring like the white ones I had. They always had skid marks, the whole thing. MeUndies is here to change that. Every pair of MeUndies is made with substantially sourced Modal, a fabric that's twice as soft as cotton. You won't even know when you have them on. They feel that light. Nothing can describe the fit and the feel of MeUndies. But once you try them, you'll understand why they're called the world's most comfortable underwear. And you don't love your first pair of MeUndies? They're free. Just like Club W, anything I have. You don't like what we give you? No questions asked. They're free. MeUndies has dozens of styles and limited edition prints to help you make a statement with your underwear, whether anyone can see them or not. Remember Superman, all right? But the hell with all that. Right now, what I'm doing is this. Shipping is free in U.S. and Canada. You can save up to $8 a pair with the MeUndies subscription plan. Get the subscription of a single pair or get 20% off your first order when you go to MeUndies.com slash Joey. That's MeUndies.com slash Joey for 20% off your first order. So please go to MeUndies.com slash Joey. Who's better than you, Lee? Nobody. So today I went to jiu-jitsu, and I went back on my little, uh, I wanted to try today. Today it was a little rough. I maybe had a day off on Saturday. We fucked up my cardio, and I flew. But I still took the Shroom Tech. I took the Shroom Tech Sport. I took the Shroom Tech Immune when I flew. I got back today. I drank a little hemp protein shake. On is in my life on a daily. People have been telling me lately my color looks good. Everything looks good. You know why? I've been taking my medication. I've been working out consistently. And I've been sticking to my protein powders and my vitamins and my minerals. And on it has helped me a ton. If you could do it for me, a fat fuck, think of what, what it could do to you. But you're never going to know. Do me a favor. Go to honor.com right now, slash Joey. No, slash church. Church, C-H-U-R-C-H. You get 10% off your first order, and they send it to your house. I don't fuck with nobody who don't send shit directly to your house. No drama, no nothing. If you have a ring, then the ring will watch the boxes in front of your fucking house, and we won't have no misunderstandings. Do you understand me? So go to honor.com right now, slash church and get 10% off your first order and that's that I want to give another shout out to my people Club W 
me on these and onit.com and my main man George over at MMAJunkie.com for calling in tonight and sharing some fucking light on us. And that's it. That's it and that's that. What else you want from me, Lisa? Yeah. I would just ask people to go listen to my new podcast with Johnny Rock, Life in Neutral. Beautiful. Life in Neutral. Yes, sir. About life in the fucking fast lane. Why don't you do that, cocksucker? Who wants to be life in neutral? No one. That's the whole point of the podcast. Oh, that's why I love you. You're fucking everything good with you? Everything's great, man. You're solid. You're looking good. You joined the kettlebell gym full yeah, I'm time now. I'm still sore from one. We got to go tomorrow, 9 a.m., 9.01. You got to be the hip hop magoo and shit. I'll be there at 8.59. How many times you got to be there this week? Uh, I'm going to try to do three. We'll see if I, well, at least two. And then one over there at the fucking VMAC. Got to show up over at Steve Young and show him that you still respect. Throw a little something in his envelope there and shit to keep him alive. You know what I'm saying? Hell yeah. You got to do three sets of kettlebells this week. You'll fucking look like a fucking skeleton. Oh, that, that workout was so cool. By the cool. time they get finished with you. No more tacos. Did he tell you about no more tacos? Who? Fucking the Irishman over there. We haven't talked about tacos yet. I was going to talk to you about them this week. Don't worry about it. I talked to them already. I love you, cocksuckers. Have a great fucking week. Remember, it all starts with a fucking dream. Grab your cock. Grab your balls. Let them know who's running things. It's going to be a great fucking week, man. I'm looking forward to some big things. Have a great week, Lee. I'll see you back here in the church of what's happening now. We're going to figure this music fucking thing out. I want to take you to the next level. All right, I love you guys. See you Wednesday. This show is brought to you by MeUndies. Go to MeUndies.com slash Joey right now for 20% off of your first order. And shipping in the U.S. and Canada is always free. The show is also brought to you by Club W. Go to ClubW.com right now slash Joey to get 50% off of your first order. Never come home to a wine-free house again. Just go to ClubW.com slash Joey to get 50% off of your first order. And go to onit.com slash church to get 10% off all of their great optimization products.